So when I was coming out of the um, tech booth down here, one of our guys was checking his phone for the weather and um, wanted to know if we've got storms on the way. And I was, I was glad to hear that I think we're good for today. We have nothing to worry about because uh, you may have been here some weeks, months ago. I'm not really sure when it was. And the tornado sirens go off. Uh, in, within a year's time, that's the second time I've preached during a storm. I preached during that last storm we had come through here in Mulberry. I was there that night preaching there. And in fact, we got a lightning strike that just uh, sounded like an explosion going off. We didn't have a tornado warning go off, but a kid started screaming at that point. And you just lose everything. Because those screams, those sirens, those sounds, they call us to attention. We are getting to that season, though, where it could happen. I'll just say this. You're safe here. Be sure, spiritually and physically, you're safe here. And in two weeks, on the 24th of April, look at the front of your bulletin. We're going to give thanks and we're going to remember what God did in the aftermath of destruction here in 1996, and a ministry named Cure was formed at that time. Bob Fisher and others who work with Cure are going to tell you the story. If you've never heard it before, you're going to be inspired by it. If you've heard it before, you're going to be inspired by it. Because I've, I've asked Bob to do this, this thing for us. Tell us where you saw God in the stories. And the people who know them, they see that, and it's going to be encouraging. But even that represents a, a type of call to action in the wake of destruction. And at the end of this letter to the Ephesian church, Paul is calling the hearers to action. He's telling them that, that we're in a fight. We're in a battle. And, and we can be complacent and act like there's nothing going on. We can just go about the business of being Christians and act like there's nothing going on. But hey, this is your call to action. Listen with me to the words from Ephesians 6, 10. A final word. There's the call to action. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion, Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Here's the call to action. 
And why do we fight? Why are we in a struggle? Well, from the beginning, Paul has been laying out the situation for us. From from the beginning of chapter 1, he said that all along, this is the way it's been. You, God has given authority to Christ. He raised him from the dead. He seated him at the highest place of authority in the heavenly realm. That means that he is Lord, he is king over every power, every political power, every spiritual power, all of the existence, including the realm of death. Christ has been raised and seated in that position of authority. And to the ancients in Ephesus, this meant that Christ ruled over the world. And they tended to see their world in terms of this this flat earth, in the realm of death below, and then you had the heavenly forces above them. But Christ was higher in authority than all of those. And for us, what it means is, no matter how you conceptualize the universe, whatever physical or cosmological theory you want to accept, the point is this, Christ is overall. Now, Even though God has given Christ that authority over all powers, not only in this time and place, but in the age to come, Christ will maintain that authority. Even though you have a resistance, and it's not even a resistance, it's more of a disobedience. It's led by the evil one, and he's mentioned in different ways in Ephesians. He's he's called the devil, he's called the evil one, he's even called the ruler of of the powers of the air. All of those forces, all of those lesser authorities, which have some sway over our lives, are are organized in a disobedience. And maybe they're not even organized. They just just become disobedient. Uh, Paul names the leader, the devil, but then he names all of these other forces, these rulers, these authorities, and these these spiritual forces in the unseen realms, they do not accept the rule of Christ. It's a disobedience because they have their own reason for not accepting the authority of Christ. When you read in Acts about Paul's mission work in Ephesus, when Paul was in Ephesus, he he led people to Christ People heard the gospel. They accepted the authority of Christ. And because of that, they were doing away with the the dark magic that they were practicing. And all that magic is, is some kind of knowledge that allows them to manipulate the world and manipulate others. They're giving it up. They're giving up the ability to manipulate by, by, by dark means the world that they live in, in their own lives. And that was causing an economic crisis in Ephesus. People who made the little idols of Artemis of the Ephesians, the silversmiths, because silver was seen as a magical metal, they're losing customers. And that causes a political reaction because they go and they take Paul to court. They sue him for damages. And then that leads to social disruption. All of those social, legal, religious forces are disobedient to the rule of Christ. And throughout Ephesians, you'll see Paul describe them as disobedient. These these are the hostile forces that you and I find ourselves up against, just like the ancients in Ephesus. The evil one, the devil, the ruler of the power of the air, 
And all of those rulers and authorities and cosmic powers of this present darkness and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, if you're tuning out at this point because you're saying, oh great, this sounds like Harry Potter. Think again. This is not just magic and hocus-pocus that in a more enlightened age we've outgrown. If you were an ancient in Ephesus, you would have seen these powers everywhere. These embodiments that represent things like fertility and healing. It would have been on the money. It would have been on the floor that you walked on. It would have been in statues that would have been everywhere. Not just in temples, but it would have been in public places. And we can laugh at that, and we can poke fun of those ancients, or we can say, isn't it great that we've progressed beyond such superstitious beliefs? And that's all a bunch of, you know, Harry Potter, magic, hocus-pocus, sci-fi, fantasy stuff. Is it? Because don't we also inhabit a land and a culture filled with our own icons and symbols of powers? They're all around us. They're as close to us as our mobile devices. They're on our news. They're in our media. Even in our public places, we embody things like liberty and justice, wealth and economy, communication. We embody those things. Now, we, we may think that we're smarter than the Ephesians, and maybe in some ways we are, maybe in some ways we're not. But all of these forces that are embodied by these things that you and I take for granted the way the Ephesians would have taken those idols and those other images for granted. These things we take for granted, they embody things that matter to us. Are they all bad? No. But are they all completely good? These forces are like us, human beings, that when we are obedient to God... We are at our best, and we are doing what God has intended for us to be. These forces in our culture, in our world, when they are obedient to God, when they are redeemed, then they are in their right place, because over them all is the authority of Christ. But when these things are warped, when these things warp others, and they become disobedient to Christ, then they fail to be what God intended. There are structures of thought and there are structures of relationships that are larger than any single individual. But even though they're larger than us, they can never, they should never be our God. And when they do become our God, we must be careful, we must be alert, because at that point, those structures are disobedient to Christ. And so Paul reminds us that we can't resist these things. We ought to be in the mission, redeeming these things. And we have our orders. This is the situation we find ourselves in. In a world that is not always obedient to Christ. And even those powers that are out there are sometimes disobedient. So what do we do? Paul says we live among them. We struggle. We wrestle. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood people. That would be too easy to find a few villains and throw them in jail. 
to find a few villains and put them out of their misery and save us some trouble. No, we are in a struggle against unseen forces that are in rebellion to our true Lord, the highest power, the highest authority. This is not a war against people that we find ourselves in. This is one that we will win, not by force, but by making choices, by standing firm. We have orders. They are to be strengthened by the Lord, not a strength that we can come up with our own. To put on His armor, not the defenses that we come up with ourselves. To stand firm and not be moved. Those are the choices that we make constantly. To be alert and pray for one another. Next week, we're going to talk more about that armor and where it comes from. But for today, you and I have decisions to make. I want to ask you to do something right now. As if our Lord, as if our King who leads us in battle, as if He were to deliver these orders to us, and He is through His Word. And I'm going to ask you right now, out of respect, certainly not for me, but out of respect for His Word, would you please now stand at attention? We have received orders from our Lord. We have received orders from God and Christ. Be strengthened, number one, by the Lord. Number two, put on your armor and be ready. Number three, stand firm against the disobedient forces and do not give in. Number four, be alert and pray for one another because it's a struggle and you're going to need one another. Now, every, day we end, every Sunday we end a sermon, we, we tend to turn this into an evangelistic time. But this is more than that. This is a time when we all must make a decision because we are in a struggle. And whether you've been a disciple for decades or whether this is the first day that discipleship will be your decision, we must all make a choice. And we do pray for one another. It's what we do. So if you need prayers, you can go to room 100. You can come down here. You can ask someone next to you to pray with you. And if today is the day, you need to make a decision to follow the Lord who's been raised from the dead, exalted to the right hand of God, make that choice because it's a decision to be strong and stand firm. Let's sing together.